continue our uh, series in Luke 15. And so if you've got a Bible, you can turn over there. Uh, we are going to have the, uh, I was going to say lyrics, but the uh, words uh, up on the uh, screen. But um, if you look here in uh, chapter 15, verse number 1, he says, tax collectors and other notorious, and uh, this translation uses notorious, and I think it's kind of um, funny to, to say it that way, uh, that the people that Jesus was hanging out with were known for something. Did you know that you're known for something? People know you by your actions. They know you. You have a reputation. You are known for something. And so what are you known for? How do people know you? Well, these people were notorious sinners. We don't like that word, do we? Sin. I'm going to talk about sin this morning. Just prepare yourselves. Sin. Okay? We don't hear it in a lot of churches. Sin. Now, we should know what sin is because that is what we do. Right? We are all sinners. We are all in the same boats. As the old preacher once said, sin is from the devil. Right? And if you drop the D, what does that mean? It means sin is evil. Right? And if you drop the D, what do you have? You are evil. Right? And if you drop the E, what do you have? You are vile. You are vile. And you drop the V, and what do you have? You are ill. Because of sin, you are ill. And because of that, you're going to end up, you drop the I, you're going to end up in L. Because that's where sinners go. They go to L. <laughs> Now, that is not the kind of preacher we're going to have this morning. <laughs> I want you to understand <laughs> that sin is real and sin is a problem, okay? And so today we're going to talk about the prodigal problem because these were notorious sinners, and yet, it was the notorious sinners that Jesus chose to hang out with. And so, regardless of how bad you are, regardless of how vile you've been, regardless of what you be ill and with, okay, Jesus is okay with hanging out with you. Everybody else might not like hanging out with you, but Jesus is okay with hanging out with you. And here's why. It's because He loves you that much. You might think somebody loves you, and they might even be willing to hang out for you. But let me ask you, would somebody be willing to hang on a cross for you? Jesus was willing to do that. You see, Jesus said, I love them so much, these notorious sinners, that I will not just hang out with them, I will hang up for them. And today, regardless of how bad a sinner you are, and we all are sinners, Jesus has a great love for you. And as we look at this passage here, you're going to see that this problem that these young men had is a problem that we all suffer from. In verse 15, I'm sorry, verse 11 it says, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them the story. He said, a man had two sons, and the younger son told his father, I want my share of the estate before you die. As I discussed last week, this younger son comes to his dad and says, Dad, I just wish you were dead. 
You're as good as dead to me. In fact, you're better to me dead than you are alive. So just give me what I'm going to get once you die so that I can just have all your stuff now. And what that was communicating was that the father was only good for his stuff. And you know, sometimes we treat God that way. We treat God as though he were just a supernatural vending machine. We come to God and we pray. And we may even pray for forgiveness of sin. We may even pray and say, well, God, you know, don't, don't allow this to happen because, you know, I, I mean, I know I made some bad choices, but God, just, just, give me, just give me some good stuff now. Just give me the good stuff now. And we treat God as though he just existed for us. But then look at what it says. He says, so his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. The father gave a response that blew everybody away. The, the religious people who were there listening to this story were astounded when Jesus said the father did this. He divided his wealth between both sons. The religious people are thinking, this, this son needs to be dragged out to the city and he needs to be killed because of his disrespect for his father. And yet Jesus says, we have a different picture of the father. Let me show you the picture of the father. And Jesus tells this story. And today, for every person who is a sinner, this is the story of God. That God loves us so much that he would be willing to suffer himself for us. The religious people, they didn't get that. Their image of God was an angry God. You probably have heard of Jonathan Edwards' famous sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And when Jonathan Edwards preached, and he, they say that he didn't even really preach it, he read it, that the conviction from Holy Spirit was so strong in that church that as he was reading it, people were just flooding the aisles and they were repenting of their sins. And you know, I would pray that God's Spirit would move so heavily this morning that regardless of whatever I say or whatever's happening in this place, that if God, if you are convicted by God's Spirit, that you would repent. But I want you to understand this. You have to make a choice. Everyone makes a choice. How am I going to handle the life that God has given me? Am I going to do things I want to do, or am I going to do it the way God wants me to do it? And this is ultimately what sin is all about. It's who's going to rule your life. The younger son comes and he says, Hey, Dad, give me what I'm going to get when you die. His problem, in my estimation, is a problem that we all have. And that is selfishness. The younger son was just selfish. Let me ask you, how selfish are you? It doesn't take very long for a baby to show that it is selfish, does it? <laughs> you have a toddler... And they enter those terrible twos and terrible threes and terrible fours and terrible fives and terrible teens, right? <laughs> and they just, it's like, you go, it's, it's like mine, mine, mine. That's mine. It's mine. 
And what do you do as a parent? You say, no, you're going to share. And they're going to say, I'm not sharing. What's mine? (laughs) We don't have to teach selfishness. We have to teach the opposite. We have to teach selflessness. We have to teach sharing. We have to teach these things. Why? It's because the sinful nature of self is evident. It is innate. It is part of our DNA. It is who we are. And we have to deal with it every day. We have to deal with it every day. There are going to be elements of selfishness that you're going to see popping up in your life every day. Sad to say it, but there are times when, when I will go out with you know, friends or whatever and we're going we're gonna to order something, you know, McDonald's, whatnot. And I get those fries on my, my plate, on that tray. And I've already picked out which container of fries is mine. <laughs> the one that's got the most. <laughs> and when I see some fries spill out of that, that container onto the tray, I'm thinking, those are my fries. I saw them fall out of that container and I'm going to get those fries, right? Because I'm selfish. And you do the same thing. When you go to a line at Walmart, you're searching, you're scanning the horizon. Which line is shorter? Because I'm selfish with my time. (laughs) I don't want to get behind that person that's got a cartload of groceries. I ain't got time for that, right? So let me just move. Even if I got to move three times, let me just move, right? You will do that because you are thinking of self. You're thinking of self. And the world will tell you, look out for self. The The world will tell you, look out for number one, right? Numero uno, number one. Let's spell number. How do you spell number? N-U-M-B, stop there. Because if you're looking out for number one, it's going to make you number to the needs around you. Right? And some of us have become so numb to the needs of people around us because we're just focused on us. It's all about me. There's only room for one, number one. That needs to be God. It needs to be Jesus. He needs to be number one. Are you just looking for what you can get out of life? Is that all you're interested in? Just what I'm going to get? God did not put us here to be consumers. And, and, and yet, consumer reports, <laughs> you're all consumers. We're all consumers. What would happen if we became contributors? What would happen if we stopped saying, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? What can I get? God, just give me mine. Dad, just give me mine. Mom, just give me mine. It's what I deserve. I, I, I worked hard for this. Instead of, and, and, and we just changed and flipped the script and said, you know what? I'm going to give. I'm going to serve. And even those who don't deserve it, and let me remind you, when you say something like that, they don't deserve it, what do you deserve? Because if we all got what we deserved, none of us would have a chance. None of us. There is no one in this room who deserves or who's gotten what you deserve. And I'm grateful. 
I am very grateful I have not gotten what I deserve. Because of that last song we just sang, Amazing Grace. And let me say this before. I've said this before, but I'll say it again because it's true and truth doesn't change. Is that if you can't show grace to someone else, then you don't know what grace is. Because for us to truly understand what grace is, we can show grace to those who do not deserve it. That's why it's called grace. You don't give grace to someone because they deserve it. You show grace to someone because they don't deserve it. And because you understand you don't deserve it, then you can share grace with those around. So the younger son, he's dealing with a selfish problem. What's in it for me, Dad? Just give me mine now. But let's drop on down. We're going to do a little compare and contrast this morning. So look at verse number... Uh, 22, uh, I'm sorry, 25. Meanwhile, now there's a lot that's transpired, and over the next couple of weeks, we're going to take a, a, a more definite look at these sons. But today, we're just going to kind of compare and contrast this, this image and interaction with the father and the, his two sons. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. So the younger son takes all of his stuff, he leaves the house after a couple of days, and he goes out, and you know the story, he wastes everything on riotous living with notorious sinners. Meanwhile, the older son is out in the field, and he's just doing what he's doing every day. He's working. He's making a living. He's doing what he's supposed to do. Now that word, supposed to do, some of you may use the word ought to do. It's what I ought to do. It's what I've been told to do. It's what I've been raised to do. It's what I should do. And so this is the mentality of the older son. He sees his younger brother, who has come and just broken all protocol, and has said to the father, just give me what I deserve now. And then he goes out and he just does whatever he wants to. And the, the older son is saying, yeah, look at that selfish jerk. Right? I mean, look at him. I cannot believe he is treating our dad that way. In fact, he doesn't deserve anything. He doesn't deserve anything. Look at me. I'm staying home. I'm working hard. I'm taking care of things. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And then the son, the younger son, comes back home after a period of time. And the father accepts him back. Even though he's been a notorious sinner himself, not just hanging out with sinners, he has become one. And he's done all the things that is unacceptable. And the, the older son sees this. And he hears that there's this party going on while he's out working. While he's out being the good son. And he hears, meanwhile, the older son who was in the fields working, when he returned home... He heard music and dancing in the house. What? What's going on? I mean, uh-uh. Something ain't right with this picture. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. The servant says, your brother is back. And your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. Everybody would say, that's right. 
All those religious people. That's right. That's right, brother. Don't you go in there. You deserve a party. Your father should have been celebrating you, not your younger brother, that sinner. He's been out and he wasted everything that your dad gave him. No, don't you go in there. You justify your actions. You demand what is coming to you. He says, he refuses to go in. But look at what the father does. Does the father say, okay, stay out? No. You see, that's not the picture of God. Jesus is painting a picture of God for us, and the father comes out to the son. And he says, hey, your, your younger brother is back. Yes, he made some mistakes. He went out and he, he, he blew it. But I'm his father and I love him. And I'm going to celebrate that he has come home. Now you, my older son, you've always been with me. But listen, listen, I love you too. And I see what you've done. But don't you become self-righteous. Don't you point a finger and say, oh, I deserve this, but he doesn't deserve anything. You see, self-righteous. And anytime self is at the center of something, it's a problem. You know what? Let's, let's, let's do another spelling test. Let's spell sin. S-I-N. What's in the middle of sin? I every time. And let's just go ahead and say it's a capital I. <laughs> I am at the center of sin every time. And sin is in me. And because sin is in me, sometimes it's hard for me to see anything else. When we become self-righteous, and let me just show you what some, or, or point out to you what self-righteous may look like right? Or sound like? It is. It's saying, they don't deserve that. It's saying, I deserve something better. Or I should be having this. Or why isn't God blessing me? And how can God be blessing them? That's what self-righteousness sounds like. And the older son says, I'm not going in. I'm not going to have any part of this. I'm not going to celebrate this son of yours, interesting wording, right? He says, this son of yours is your brother. You don't have a relationship with him? You don't want a relationship with him? You see, sometimes when we see other people sin, and this is what unfortunately happens with a lot of Christians and a lot of churches today, that when somebody falls, you know who are the worst at treating the Christians? It's other Christians. It's other Christians who are going to kick people when they're down. It's other Christians who are going to say, no, you, I see you wounded yourself with that gun. Let me just go ahead and finish. You know, let's just pull the trigger all the way. And you see, we end up not just hurting our wounded, but killing our wounded. And this is why people don't want to come back to church. This is why people don't want to have anything to do with other Christians. But this has nothing to do with God. Because God is not that way. The Bible tells us this in, in uh, I think it's 1 Peter 3, 15, maybe something like that. 
Where it says this, I don't know the exact address, but let me tell you what it says. It says this, is that God is not slack concerning his promise, as some men can't slackness, but is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that everyone should come to repentance. That God does not want anyone to die and go to hell. Hell was not created for people. Hell was created for the devil and his angels. However, let me tell you this. That apart from Jesus Christ, people will end up in hell. And the reason is because God hates sin, but he loves sinners. People do not go to hell because of sin. People go to hell because they don't want a relationship with God. And hell is the only place where God is not. And so... When people live a whole life apart from God, they don't want anything with God. What does God do? Because God is loving God. God says in the afterlife, I will give you what you wanted in the life you had on earth. I will give you a place where I am not. And that place is called hell. Sin was paid for on the cross. Jesus paid for every sin you and I will ever commit. But people do not go to hell because of sin. People go to hell because they reject the payment God made for our sin. Today and every day, God is extending to you His free gift of eternal life. And that free gift is only found in Jesus Christ. It is not found in our self-righteousness. It is not found in us and being moral and good, upstanding people. It is not found in us being better than someone else. It is only found, eternal life is only found in Jesus Christ. And anyone who is willing to confess their need for Jesus can be saved. This verse says, all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Everyone that has ever lived and ever will live is a sinner. It is born, we, we are born with it. It is passed on through our DNA. How do you define sin? Let me just give you this quick definition. There are sins of commission and sins of omission. Commission means things that we commit. There are things that we do, things that harm other people, things that harm ourselves, things that harm our relationship with God. Those are things that are sins of commission. But there are sins of omission, which are things that we omit, things that we leave out, things that we should do, that we know are right. And the Bible says this, that if you know good and you don't do it, then that is sin to you. If you know the right thing to do and you don't do it, even if nobody else is doing it, you should do it. Because God has laid it on your heart, on your mind, that you should do it. It doesn't matter what somebody else does. It doesn't matter what somebody else thinks. If God has convicted you to do something and you fail to do it, that's a sin of omission. Amen. And you need to do what God wants you to do. But all sin has self at the root. Everything you look at, whatever you struggle with, however you sin, whatever is going on in your life, it's because of self at the center. So I want to just give you a couple of things here to wrap up. Sin will always take you away from the Father. Sin will always separate you from God. Sin will always separate you from others. Sin is not your friend. 
Sin is not going to help you accomplish what you ultimately want in life. And all of us who have been well experienced in sin will tell you that. It doesn't matter what the world is telling you. That if you just do this, you're going to be happy. I'm telling you that if you sin, you might be happy for a moment. But eventually, the Bible tells us that sin leads to death. Sin leads to destruction. And sin will destroy your life. It will. Look at what it says. A few days later, this younger son, he packed all of his belongings and look what it did. He moved to a distant land. You know what? When you, when you start sinning more than you've been sinning, you don't want to be around righteous people, do you? <laughs> you don't want to be around people that are going to make you feel bad for how you've been living. Now, the father didn't change anything. It was the father's house. It was always the way the father had it. The son says, I don't like those rules. I don't like that lifestyle, so I'm going to move out. I just want you to know that if you start living righteous, you're not going to have to tell people to leave you alone. <laughs> right? You're not going to have to tell them. They're just going to, they're going to leave you alone on their own because they don't want the conviction that comes from you just living right. Sometimes you feel like, you know, I got to tell somebody something. You don't have to tell anybody anything. If you will just live right, your living right will tell them enough. Amen. And if somebody, if God uses your life to convict somebody, that door will open and you will have an opportunity to talk about Jesus. Because let's be honest, there are none of us in this room who are going to be successful at living a righteous life apart from God's help. If we don't have Holy Spirit in our lives, guiding our lives, guiding our thoughts, guiding our actions, you're going to fail. I'm going to fail. So the younger son, he doesn't want a relationship with the father. He doesn't want righteous living. So what does he do? He says, I'm moving away. I'm getting out of here. But look at what it does. It leads to him wasting all his money in wild living. He wasted. He wasted some of you who may be on the brink of making decisions about what you're going to do in the next phase of your life, my encouragement to you would be this. Talk to some people who are older than you who have made some bad decisions. And they will tell you it's not worth it. You don't want to waste what you have. And those of you who are older who may have felt like you've wasted some things, let me tell you how you redeem it. You redeem it by investing in other people so they don't make the same mistakes you made. You redeem it. You see, it doesn't have to be wasted. You can invest it. I think it's amazing how we're finding ways to recycle waste. <laughs> right? Everybody's talking about let's recycle, let's recycle. Why wouldn't you let God recycle your waste? And the things that you've tried to throw away and the things that you've tried to say, God can't use this. Yes, God can. If you'll let him. Will you let him recycle it? But look at this. The older son, he wouldn't go in. He was suffering from sin too, the sin of self-righteousness. I don't want to go in. I don't want to be there where there's grace. I don't want to go there. I want to, I want to be where a place where I have earned and I am celebrated for what I've done. This is what the older son is saying. 
Are you dealing with the sin of self-righteousness? Of saying, I don't want to have any part of that. Listen, sin always separates. But sin always costs too. It's always going to cost you to sin. You say, oh, it's going to cost me to follow Jesus. Yeah, it will. It will cost you to follow Jesus. Let me be perfectly clear on this. That if you follow Jesus, it's very, very, very likely your life is going to be hard. You know why? Because sin is easy. <laughs> Sin's easy. It's easy to sin. It's easy to go with the crowd. It's easy to do what you feel like doing. It's easy to just say yes to everything. But you know what? Jesus said this. He said, if you follow me, you must take up your cross. Deny yourself. Self. Deny yourself and follow me. You know why Jesus can say that? Because Jesus did that. Don't you hate it when somebody's trying to talk to you about something they don't know? Something they haven't experienced? Well, we can't say that about Jesus. Jesus did it. He experienced it. He lived it. And so if anyone has the authority to say something to us, it is him. And he said it. If you're going to be like me, this is what I did. You want to be identified with me? You want to say you're my follower? Then take up your cross, start denying yourself, and follow me. You need to hang the eye on the cross. Right? Because there is a cost in following Jesus. But there's a cost in living how you want to live, too. There's always a cost. Some of you know friends and family who may be your age or even younger, and you can see a picture of what their life was like and what their life is like now and how sin has destroyed their lives. It costs. It costs. It's just... Are you willing to pay the price to live righteously? Or are you going to pay the price for sin? A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and he moved to a distant land and there he wasted all of his money in wild living. There are going to be people who are going to tell you, oh, if you follow Jesus, you're wasting your life. But it's quite the contrary. If you follow Jesus, you're not wasting anything. You're investing in eternity. You're investing in the things that truly matter. So this morning, Christian, are you investing your life in Jesus? Are you investing in all the things that truly matter? Or are you wasting the opportunities you have? It says about that time, his money ran out. And at some point, your money is going to run out. At some point, your time is going to run out. At some point, your opportunities are going to run out. And then, what will you do? In a couple of weeks, when we look at the story of this young man a little deeper, you're going to see nobody was there. There was nobody there offering him help. There's nobody. No, where, where are all the friends now that enjoyed all this fun. Where are all those guys now? They're not there. When you come to the end of your rope, you're going to see there's nobody there 
but Jesus. But the father was still there. And all the boy had to do was go back home. All he had to do was repent. That's another word we don't hear a lot about in church. But this is church. And we believe what the Bible says. And the Bible says that we must repent of our sin. We must make a conscious decision to go back to the Father. And today, you can make that decision. Today, you don't have to be far from home. Today, you can return and be forgiven of every sin you've ever committed. That's how great this father is. These prodigals, both of them had a problem, and it was self. Selfishness, self-righteousness. And all of us have a tendency to deal with those things. But finally here, we need to understand that sin also enslaves. Sin also enslaves. And this younger son, he didn't see it coming. He thought, man, I've got everything I want right now and I'm just going to go out and live my life and have a good time. And what did it do? It cost him, but it also enslaved him. And he had to end up joining himself to another country and be employed by somebody else doing things he never thought he would ever do. Not in a million years would he ever do that. And yet, that's where sin took him. Are you on that path today? You don't have to be. You don't have to stay there. You can return home. And I want to, I want to beg you to make that decision today. Because sin never sets you free. Sin never sets you free. If you're waiting for sin to let go of you, it's not going to happen. You're going to have to move away from it, right? There's an illustration of these, these I don't know if they were chimpanzees or orangutans or something, but you know how they used to catch them? They used to take these hollowed out uh, gourds and they would put peanut butter or some kind of uh, food into that gourd. But they would make the hole just big enough for the monkey to get his hand in there. And when the monkey would reach in and grab hold of it, he was trapped. You know why? Because he was unwilling to let go. And so because of that, the, the trappers would come and catch them because they would not let go. It's not that they were being held. It's they were holding on to what they were unwilling to let go of. Today, you might feel like, oh, you know, sin's got a hold of me. Sin's got a hold. No, you're holding on to sin. We just sang that song. My chains are gone. I've been set free. It's only because we are unwilling to let go. But when you're willing to let go, when you're willing to realize that this is not what I need, I need Jesus. And you cling to him then you understand that Jesus came to set you free. Jesus said, you will know the truth and that what? The truth sets you free. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. 
And today, if we understand that Jesus gave himself for us, that we who are sinners are separated from God, and anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved, then you too can enter into a relationship with God the Father. Last week, I shared this across the gospel, and that is the gospel, that Jesus Christ gave his life, his perfect life, for people like you and I who were sinful and separated from God, but that anyone who would call upon his name could be saved. That is the gospel, that God's only son provides eternal life. It is only through Jesus that we have hope. But if you will put your hope in Jesus, you can be saved. This is what is amazing, is that any sinner can become a saint. Any sinner can become a saint. And what's amazing is this, is that when you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord, God does not look upon you and say, oh, there goes another sinner. He says, no, there goes one of my children. There goes, there goes a saint. There goes one that has been called out and is separated unto me. All saints were once sinners. But it's only through the blood of Jesus that we become saints. It's not because of your righteousness. It is because of his righteousness alone that you are saved. There's nothing that we can do. And I wrote this in red because he shed his blood for us. It's the red letters. It's what Jesus did for us. It is he and he alone. And if you ain't willing to confess that you're a sinner, then you can't be a saint. If you ain't a sinner, you ain't a saint. Because it's only sinners who can be saints. But that's where it starts. When you realize, I am a sinner, then God says, now you can be a saint. There's a new movie that came out recently. It has to do with clowns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it. The final chapter. I haven't seen the first chapter, but, and I, I don't plan to see the second chapter. But uh, all clowning aside, uh, <laughs> where else can you go to church, right, and hear this, this kind of stuff? So, you know, the, this, this clown movie, and, and what can happen is, is that we can, we can forget how, how detrimental sin really is. Many of you may know Bozo the Clown many years ago. He had a TV program. And at the end of his program, at the end of his show, he would always, he would always end his program by saying, hey guys, hey buddies, pals, get checked for cancer. His whole life as the clown, he was saying this to people. And you know what happened? Bozo the Clown died from cancer. Even though he was telling everyone, hey, cancer will kill you, cancer is dangerous, he didn't take his own advice. He didn't get checked, and he died from the very thing that he was warning everyone else about. I want you to understand that sin, like a cancer, will kill you. And you need to get checked. You need to be checked. This is not something that we just play around with. We don't come to church just to feel good about singing songs. 
We come to church to understand that there is a God who loves us and gave himself for us so that no sinner would have to perish but could have everlasting life. And today, if sin is still something that you are holding on to, don't waste this opportunity. There's a God who's extending to you the free gift of eternal life. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your great love that tells us in the most famous verse of all that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever, whatever sinner would believe in him would not perish but could have everlasting life. And today, Jesus, we thank you for your great sacrifice for us that whoever believes in you could be saved. And so today, Lord, I'm asking you, Father, to speak to people's hearts. Today, if you're here and you've never placed your faith in Jesus, you can do that right where you're sitting. You don't have to get up and come and talk to me or talk to anybody. You just talk to God right where you are. And the Bible says this, that if you will confess your sin, if you will confess that you need Jesus, then God will hear you and he will forgive you of every sin. And so right there, you can just confess and say, God, I, I admit I'm a sinner. But I've heard today that Jesus died for somebody like me. And today, I want to let go of those sins that are holding me. I want to experience that song that said, my chains are gone. Today I'm asking you, God, to forgive me of my sin. I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And today I turn my life over to him. Now, if you're praying something like that, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I'm just going to ask you, would you just look up at me so that I can make eye contact with you and I can pray for you. Anyone like that who's saying that's my decision today? Okay. Listen, there are a few of you who've looked. And I want you to understand this, that God loves you so much. And it's no accident you're here today. I want to encourage you to share your decision with someone because the Bible says this, right? That when we confess him before others, he will confess us before our Father. So I want to encourage you, step out and begin sharing what Jesus and God has done for you today. Because if he can do it for you, he can do it for somebody else too. And he can use you to share the good news. Father, we thank you for your love for us. And God, today I pray for our brothers and sisters who are in this room. Some of us may be dealing with any kind of sin struggles. God, help us to let go. Help us to return to you. God, help us to not be like the older son who is just pointing fingers and being self-righteous. God, we are all in need of grace. We thank you that your grace is sufficient. 
We thank you for loving us when we were unlovable. Help us, God, to show that same love to everyone around us. In Jesus' name, amen.